Father, we pray that you would speak to us now. We pray that you would stir our hearts as your word sounds forth. We pray that you would bring each of us to stand before you on that day. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever seen a wee girl get a necklace making kit? There's some string and a box of uh, different sizes and shapes and colours of beads. Red ones and blue ones and green ones. Any colour you could possibly imagine. And then the wee girl sits down with the string. And she picks through the beads and picks one of those and puts it on. And one of those and puts it on. And threads them all onto the string. And whenever she's finished, there's no pattern or rhyme or reason. It's just whatever she kind of gathered up and put on. They don't go together at all. It's as if they've just been thrown together randomly. But she loves it. She thinks that it's very stylish. And she insists on wearing it. Or even worse. She makes you wear it. Because it was made especially for you. Whenever I sat down to study this final section of 1 Thessalonians and it might be good to have it open in front of you page 202 in the New Testament whenever I sat down to look at this passage that was my initial thought is it just like that random string of beads where it's just whatever you come up with how does it all fit together it just seems to be all over the place like Lots of random ideas jotted down in quick succession. A bit like uh, the student who's sitting on exam and the time is running out. And so rather than writing well-structured paragraphs, they just start jotting down bullet points to try and show that they know lots of stuff without arguing it or explaining it. Or maybe if you uh, were writing to a pen pal and you you started into the second sheet of that special airmail paper and you thought, well, I'll have to write and write a wee bit more to make sure I get my money's worth uh, of uh, this paper. Is that what Paul is doing here? He was coming to the end of the scroll and he wanted to get in all of his ideas. Is it just a string of beads, each one interesting on its own, but not really connected or designed to fit together? Now, we don't get to see it in the pew Bibles that we have here in church. But if you were to look at your Bible at home, you might see what the Bible publisher thinks of this section. You see, sometimes in Bibles you get um, little section headings. Where the the publisher tries to summarise the bit that you're looking at. So that 
it helps you to read the Bible. And the Bibles that I looked at were slightly unhelpful. It just said final instructions or various exhortations. No one quite knows what to do with this bit. So what do we do with these verses? What is it all about? How do we make sense of them? There's so much in them that we could uh, approach it in a couple of different ways. First of all there's the approach that says wow look at this verse. And then look at this verse and then look at this verse. And we could go for a really, really long and in-depth sermon. Bringing out the meaning of each verse and all the different connections and parts that it has. And, you know, I was thinking since I'm not around for a few weeks. We could have three or four weeks of sermons in one go. But I already see the horror in your face and I see the the thought of the Sunday dinner being burnt to a crisp so we'll not go down that approach this morning even though there's more than a month of Sunday sermons in these verses another possible approach is for us to, to, to just let it all wash over us there's so much there that we can't possibly take it in it, it, it all sounds good And we maybe focus on just one little bead that we like. And let the rest just kind of wash over us. And sometimes if you read the Bible it can be helpful for one verse or one idea to jump out and grab you. And for you to think about it and and work through it. But the more I worked on the passage and the more I thought about the passage. The more I realised that it's not entirely random. That God's word is given given to us for a purpose. And God worked through Paul to write down what God intended. This isn't like your Twitter feed or your Facebook feed where you might get lots of random ideas coming from lots of different places. A wedding photo from yesterday and then someone shares a recipe and someone shares one of those random pictures that you think, why did you share that? This is a letter written for a specific purpose. And these verses fit into that bigger picture. We've seen from chapter 3 and verse 13 that Paul has been showing the Thessalonians what it looks like to be sanctified. To be set apart. To be and become holy. We thought about the The spoon in the sugar bowl, which is set apart for that purpose alone of lifting the sugar. You don't dip it in the tea and then put it back in the sugar bowl. Paul went into depth about being holy, about sexual purity, saying no to lust and yes to love. Then he fixed our minds on the hope that we have in Jesus to transform our grief and help us as we wait for the day of the Lord. And this last section shows us how we live out our becoming more holy in everyday life. Paul is driving towards the destination of that prayer and that promise 
in verses 23 and verse 24. Look at it with me. Here's the prayer. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely. And may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. As Paul directs our thoughts towards the coming of Jesus, we might think that it would be impossible for us to stand before him blameless. Our hearts accuse us. The devil accuses us. How can we do it whenever we prefer sin to righteousness as this battle continues to rage within us? These Christians in Thessalonica who received this letter had only been Christians for about a month or so. And they might be thinking in the face of opposition, how can we make sure that we get to that day? For that, we need the promise of verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this. You see, we have our part to play in choosing to obey God, but look who will bring it about. The one who called you will do it because he is faithful. God has given us the means to become holy in our everyday life and God will surely do it. That's what verses 12 to 22 are all about. And in the sermon notes on the back of the service sheet, we have a series of triplets, a series of mini three-point sermons of how God provides for our being made holy. In the first place, God has given uh, those who labour among you and have charge of you in the Lord and admonish you. God gives church leaders To provide for our becoming holy. Paul says to respect them. To esteem them highly in love. And to be at peace among yourselves. But alongside church leaders. God also provides every member of the church family. We are not here by accident. We have a purpose. You see, it's not just the leaders who have a ministry. It's not just people in these silly dog collars who do ministry. It's every one of us. So everyone is called, at verse 14, to admonish the idlers, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak. By being patient with all of them. And not repaying evil for evil. You see there's wisdom uh, to know which is which. To know when uh, to admonish and when to encourage. But this is every member ministry. Provided by God to build us up in holiness and obedience. 
God provides another triplet to build us up and move us towards holiness, which is in line with his will. Verses 16 to 18. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. This isn't just think positive thoughts and everything will be okay. No, this is urging us to tune our thoughts toward heaven. As we rejoice in God's love and care for us and in in what he has done for us. In praying without ceasing and bringing every moment of our day to him. All our concerns, all our thoughts. It's not saying, Paul's not saying here, just kneel down and pray the whole day. And don't ever stop. But as you live, as you go about your business, as you do all those different things, be consciously mindful of God. Shoot up those little arrow prayers to God. Lord, keep me safe as I drive today. Lord, watch over my family today. Paul also says to give thanks to God, recognising that he is the good giver. But do you see in verse 18 that he doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances. Paul doesn't say to thank God for a flat wheel or a parking ticket or a a worrying diagnosis. But he says Give thanks in all circumstances. When these things happen, are there things that we can thank God for in those circumstances? It changes our perspective. It tunes us in to what God is doing as he works out every detail for his glory and our eternal good, which is our holiness. And to guide us along the way, in the final triplet, he says to not quench the Spirit. Don't pour cold water on what the Holy Spirit is doing and leading you to do. Don't despise prophecy. Test everything. Examine what you hear and hold on to the good. Whenever you have Something good. Hold on to it. Like the wee boy who brought a lollipop into his show and tell class one day. The teacher asked him to set it down on the table and to share with the class which Bible verse he was thinking about. But he refused to set it down. He said, hold fast to what is good. You see, he knew that it was good. He wasn't going to let it go. And neither should we hold to the good and abstain from evil. These are the dance moves. These are the steps to take as we become holy more and more. As we look to the day of Christ's coming. Sometimes our steps can falter. 
Sometimes we might step on toes. But together we can learn the steps. We can do this together as we prepare for the wedding party of the Lamb. As we join in this dance of holiness. For those new believers in Thessalonica, just starting out, they may have wondered, would they be able to keep the faith? Perhaps as you look to the next year, you don't know what might be around the corner. You might think, how can I possibly keep going? Will we really make it? To the coming of the Lord. Will we really be blameless. On that day. But God. Has called us. And God is faithful. He has provided for us. In the death. And the resurrection of his son. He has provided. The way to become holy. In everyday life. In the church. God has called us. God is faithful. And he will surely do it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, our hearts yearn for that day. When we will see you face to face. When our struggle with sin and suffering has come to an end. Father we thank you for your promise. We pray that you would help us to take hold of that promise day by day. That in our everyday life we may walk worthy with you. And become more like Jesus. We pray this in his precious name. Amen.